You are now listening to the Inner Circle Podcast Network. Good everybody, what's up? Buongiorno, buenos dias, ni hao, and konnichiwa, motherfuckers. Welcome, one and all, to the Abacabo Cafe podcast. This is the English language Kimagare Ondroad podcast on the whole internet. Today, we're going to be talking about television episode 26 entitled, Kyosuke's Become a Kid, Getting Super Close to Madoka. This episode originally aired September 28th of 1987. It was directed by Nakamura Koichiro. He directed episode six, That Kid is My Rival. That was the episode that introduced us to uh, Kasuga's would-be lover, Yusaku. Nakamura also directed episode 12, which is the episode where Ayuko packs all of her shit for nothing. She doesn't wind up moving to America. She just puts all of her shit into boxes for no reason, just exercise. And Nakamura also directed episode 21, which was the episode where Kumiko was trying to get it on a mountainside from Kasuga. This episode was written by Terada Kenji, who is back after a few episodes off. Terada Kenji, as you may know if you're keeping count, has written 937 Orange Road episodes so far. Again, this episode, we begin in media rest. We're in the middle of a conflict between Ayukua and Kasuga. Ayukua is miffled with Kasuga over something. We learn that it's because he loaned her notebook out and it was returned heavily damaged. Apparently, he loaned it to other girls. You don't actually see this. I think I initially presumed that he had loaned it to Komatsu and Hata, and they were the ones to disrespect the notebook, but... We find out that Komatsu is uh, relating this story to the twins, and he does mention that Kasuga loaned the notebook to other girls, which I could add another detail, another important detail as to why Ayukawa is a little bit pissed that the notebook came back trashed. Now, Kasuga is back to being a wimp in this episode, from last episode being a little bit less of a wimp when he hypnotized himself. 
Ayukua easily tosses him into the, the little shoe compartments. And it strikes me that Kasuga is a little bit underappreciated here. When he's brash and confident, like in the last episode, you know, he would have had the balls to safeguard Ayukua's notebook. But she waterboarded him in the fountain in front of dozens of club goers, and he's back to being this kind of wimpy people pleaser that can't say no to others. So when someone asks to borrow the notebook or to see the notebook, of course, he's going to say, yes, he can't say no. She wanted her old Kasuga back last episode. Now the result is that he can't protect her notebook. He doesn't prevent it from getting trashed. And now she's throwing him around again. So if you're Kasuga, it really seems like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. And it also seems like Ayukua kind of wants it both ways. No matter what Kasuga does or which version of Kasuga she's dealing with, she seems like she's not thrilled. So audio from a conversation between Komatsu, Hata, and the twins is heard as Ayukua is seen kind of stomping away. She looks like, you know, she's got like her shoulders, she's drawn with her shoulders hunched up and her legs kind of far apart and she's like stomping away. You can tell by her body language, she's kind of angry still. And that that audio from the conversation between Komatsu, Hata, and the twins serves as our bridge into this next scene where Hata and uh, Komatsu were telling the twins about this scene that they had witnessed earlier. And we see a really interesting editing choice here. In fact, it's a little bit jarring. Instead of a straight cut from that image of Ayukua stomping away to the image of Komatsu and Kurumi in the frame, we we don't get a, a straight cut and we don't get a fade or a wipe or a dissolve. More traditional editing techniques to go from one scene to another that are used all over film and television that, that viewers are intimately familiar with without even having to be consciously aware of them instead of those more traditional and less noticeable editing techniques we get this really kind of jarring back and forth eight straight cuts alternating between the shot of Ayukawa storming off and Komatsu yapping to the twins and it goes back and forth very rapidly unlike most of the editing techniques that I just mentioned which are meant to be kind of a subtle uh, transition from one scene to the next. This one is really kind of jarring. It sort of draws attention to itself in a way that those other editing montage techniques really don't. I find myself wondering why they're doing that here. I mean, it's it really does sort of bring attention to this cut instead of letting it flow more smoothly. And... Uh, we end the scene with Kazuya cock-blocking Komatsu and Hata. He reads their minds uh, without them realizing that there's ESP involved, apparently. He's able to do that. Again, the Kaskas use the power all the damn time in this show. They're always worried about using it, but they always use it anyway, and nobody ever freaking notices. Komatsu and Hata clearly intended to be alone with the twins, but uh, then they weren't for comedy, and, and Kazuya was there, and, and uh, Kasuga Takashi was there, and and, and for comedy... They, they existed to stymie uh, Komatsu and Hata's attempts to be alone with the twins. Also, let's keep in mind here, speaking of Kazuya, Kazuya gives the world's shittiest advice. It's a surprise, right? He seemed like such a wise five-year-old. He tells Kasuga that it's best to be aggressive with women. Again, this is kind of a backwards thought. I mean, this, is, this sounds similar to the video cassette that Komatsu's older brother was watching for dating advice in uh, episode nine, the Kurumi I'll Teach You How to Date episode. Kazuya's really 
subscribing to that philosophy of be forceful, take the lead, do what you want. It's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. And guys, when it comes to sex, it's better to ask for permission than forgiveness. So don't take Kazuya's advice, okay? Maybe it's not best to be super aggressive. Kazuya also claims that a man should sometimes wear a wolf's clothing. I think that goes along with the be aggressive, kind of be this predator. I mean, he he casts the the idea of aggressiveness also as this sort of predatory image, like wear a wolf's clothing. You have to be kind of a predator. You have to prey on these women. And again, I'm not sure that this is the best advice in the world here. So for any young men out there listening, if you're in your formative years, please uh, ignore Kazuya's advice. As Kasuga is considering the prospect of reading Ayukua's mind, we get a cutaway to a tight shot of Ayukua. And here, she's looking a bit angry. I mean, the, the, the tight shot is focused in on her face. You really can only see her face in that, in that brief cutaway. And that is so that we can see quite clearly her facial expressions. Gives the animators plenty of room to put a very clear expression on Ayukua's face. And she does look a bit angry here. It's almost as if she's displeased at Kasuga for even thinking about reading her mind. Like it seems like that's inserted so we could see Ayukua's hypothetical reaction to uh, these guys talking about reading her mind and getting inside of her brain and then seeing her secrets. And then that's what essentially Kazuya is proposing to Kasuga is let's swap bodies that you'll have ESP, you'll have telepathy, you'll be able to look into her brain. So the big theme of the episode is body swapping. Kazuya always has a self-serving reason for wanting to swap places with Kasuga. He's not doing this for altruistic reasons, even if he paints it as such. In this case, I think Kazuya wanted to avoid this punishment of the girls in his class that he's been bullying. As an aside, I love that Kazuya has been there for like two weeks and he's already pissed off all of his classmates. He's like already this huge bully and he's been there for like two weeks. He moved to town like two weeks ago, two episodes ago. But I think it shows the depth of Kazuya's guile. I mean, he's not doing this out of the kindness of his heart to help out his older cousin. He's doing something to serve himself and he's painting it as, or selling it to Kasuga as something that will be helpful to Kasuga. But body swapping is a common literary device. There are tons and tons of books and movies and TV episodes where characters swap bodies. I'm sure all of my listeners are familiar with the film Freaky Friday. It's a popular Lindsay Lohan film uh, from a couple of decades ago now. I want to say that movie's probably... 15-ish, 16-ish years old at this point, but it was a very popular film. It's been around long enough to be on TV a bunch, so I'm sure people are familiar with that. That's one salient example, but there are plenty more. And so this body swapping is a common theme, and thematically, it allows two characters, two disparate characters to begin a story at odds, but then by the end, they come to much better terms after they get to experience a day in the other's life. One would think that's in store for Kazuya and Kasuga today, and to some degree it is, a little bit. What I thought was interesting here too is that the power is clearly not tied to their physical form. 
they take their power set with them when they swap bodies. So it doesn't matter what body they're in. Kasuga has Kasuga's power. Kazuya takes Kazuya's power with him when he moves into Kasuga's body. Now, we saw body swapping in the OVA, I was a cat, I was a fish. It was performed a little bit differently. Mechanistically, it was performed by the magic rope. So the magic rope allowed the two organisms, because it didn't have to be human, the two organisms that held each end or touched each end to, to swap bodies. And so I thought it was rather odd that Kasuga didn't bring any of his powers with him into the fish body or Jingaro's body. And that would have made the, the climax of the episode a lot easier for him if he could have used ESP to switch off the pilot light. But Kasuga did not have any of his powers when he was the fish or when he was in Jingaro's body. So I have to assume that the mechanics of the magic rope are different than the mechanics of the really forceful head bonk that is used in this episode as uh, the mechanism by which Kazuya and Kasuga switch bodies. And Kasuga as Kazuya really suffers a lot of abuse in this episode, mostly physical abuse. You got to think twice about lending any of your shit to Kasuga because first Ayuko's notebook gets trashed. Then he's basically playing bumper cars with Kazuya's entire body. He's running into everything in that Japanese street. Anything that they can tie down or park, he's running into. Now, Kasuga as Kazuya also has the bright idea to use his appearance as Kazuya to pump Ayukawa for info about her feelings regarding Kasuga. If he can't use telepathy, well, he might as well use the next best thing. And we get some intertextuality here. We get a, a, a reference to the film American Graffiti that was directed by George Lucas, released in 1973, very popular film of the early 70s. We get references to that film via a, a film inside of this episode called American Variety, so close to American Graffiti. There's a poster that Ayuko walks past and she looks at briefly outside the cinema. And then we see various cutaways inserted as commentary on the plot as it unfolds. It's meant to reflect what's going on with our characters. It begins as a film within the show, a film within the episode, and it's advertised at the cinema that Ayukawa is strolling past. And we cut to the inside to see that Yuzaku's in there watching the film. Apparently, he's trying to learn a lesson in romance. And then Yusaku sees Kazuya as Kasuga on a date with Shikaru in that same theater a few rows down. The camera cuts to the movie at certain times to draw a parallel with the action concerning our characters. And as the main character of the movie within the show, Carol is his name, he's being held by the collar. He's about to be hit. We cut to Kasuga as Kazuya being held in much the same manner by uh, some punks he runs into on the street. So the composition is preserved over the cut or over the edit. Carol and Kasuga as Kazuya are positioned in the same section of the screen. They're facing the same way. They're framed in the same manner. So cutting from Carol in the film within the episode being held by the collar, cutting to uh, Kasuga in Kazuya's body being held in the same manner, it, it reveals this parallel between this film that's going on inside of the world of the show. So it's a film that exists within the diegetic world of Orange Road, much like some of the music does, 
And it's meant to parallel some of the action that we see unfolding. After Kasuga as Kazuya is reunited with Ayukawa, there are several cutaways back to the film that continue to parallel the activities of our characters even after the cinema scene is done. So even after our characters have all left the the cinema, we still cut away to short snippets of that of that film within the episode. Narration of the film is in English, which is appropriate for an American import film. Right after we hear and Carol went to her house. We see a cut to an establishing shot of Aiko's home. This cutaway also features the same jarring kind of back and forth cuts between the film within the episode and the establishing shot of Aiko's house. I really feel like it's kind of unnecessary to do that back and forth cutting versus a more traditional and less uh, noticeable, less jarring uh, cut or, or dissolve. But they do that here again. And I have to imagine it's for some purpose, but I, I, can't, I can't fathom any way in which that improves this episode or, or relays some meaning in this episode. So returning to the cutaways of the film within a show provide this kind of recurring narrative element. It doesn't really structure the narrative. It's not like a backbone. It's just a consistent aside thematic cutaway. And it also makes it a little bit of a pain in the ass to analyze this episode in the order in which the narrative unfolds. Cause I keep having to mention these cutaways, but I'll do my best. So it's been several episodes since we saw Ayukawa kick some punk ass. Mostly it seems like she hasn't been in any scenarios wherein she might be challenged by violent punks. So you might say that shows something about her character development She's growing out of these kind of confrontations. She's not spending time in that element anymore, which might be one of the reasons why we haven't seen her duke it out with any of these uh, violent Japanese punks. It really seems kind of nuts that like these guys are ready to beat the crap out of a five-year-old. That seems a, a little intense. I mean, even for like street thugs, Of all the cold-blooded shit, kicking a five-year-old's ass is cold, ice cold. Now, Kasuga's Kazuya is very impressed with Ayukawa's room. It's his first time ever seeing it. And Ayukawa is still a little salty here about Kasuga as uh, she talks to who she presumes to be Kazuya. And even as she's being salty, we see that she framed the photo that Kasuga tried to give her at the end of episode eight, the Shutter Chance episode, which gives us a nice bit of continuity. It's a reference to the content of a previous episode, but it's also kind of cute when Ayukawa tells uh, Kasuga as Kazuya not to tell Kasuga. You know, she doesn't want Kasuga to find out that she's kept this picture. So it's kind of a sign that Kasuga had been hoping for. It's proof that she thought of him in some a sentimental way as a friend and maybe even more than that. Kasuga's Kazuya is so excited that he runs off to leave and we cut away to American Variety. We see Carol running to his car, running across the composition in the same direction as Kasuga's Kazuya did. And we hear... Carol left her house. By this point in the episode, Kazuya and Kasuga are both pretty well done with being each other, with being swapped. Because of the mechanic of the body swap, they don't need to learn a lesson like in Freaky Friday or some of the other body swap 
fiction that exists. They don't need to learn a lesson. There's no magic arbiter that prevents them from switching back at any time. It's completely up to them. And by the end of the episode, they meet up with each other again on the playground, and and they're both done being the other. Kasuga has suffered a lot in Kazuya's body, a lot of physical abuse, almost getting beat up by punks. He decides being three feet tall isn't very cool. Uh, he runs into every parked car on the entire street. Kazuya has also had to suffer through being Kasuga a little bit. I mean, he went through this boring date with Shikaru. He didn't enjoy the movie. He would rather have been watching a Godzilla film. Uh, the The American variety was not exactly what a five-year-old digs. And so he's been bored as well. He wants to switch back. But here's where shit gets a little weird. Now, Kazuya as Kasuga expresses that he's really bored with dating and he wants to switch back. And he's the one who initiated the body swap. So you'd think he would have learned his lesson and maybe even perhaps gained a new appreciation for Kasuga's challenges. Nope. Somehow Kazuya as Kasuga produces a rope out of nowhere, I guess ESP, and ties up Kasuga as Kazuya. For some reason, Kasuga as Kazuya is unable to free himself, despite doing so easily in the OVA Hawaiian suspense. And for whatever reason, despite being tired of being Kasuga, Kazuya still decides he's going to go try and smooch Ayukua. And that'll make things better for, for Kasuga if he's able to do that before switching back. So now we see Kazuya as Kasuga at Abakabu, and he's just staring at Ayukua as she works and giggling to himself like a total creeper. It's really kind of weird, and not something that I would imagine a sophisticated young woman like Ayukua would find to be very charming, but it almost works for him. She asks him, what's the deal? And he's all like, what do you mean? So of course we have to cut back to American Variety for a, what do you mean? Kazuya's Kasuga just starts repeating lines from the movie out of context. And it makes that movie some comedy with your own screen. I guess this is just how things work with girls in a five-year-old's brain. Like, it actually kind of works, though. Especially when he tells her that she's got ketchup on her nose. That really works. I mean, she got kind of embarrassed, but it's like that little bit of teasing, I guess, really kind of worked for her. And Kazuya's Kasuga is moving in for it. We cut back to Carol closing in on kissing his own date. So again, we're going with these parallels between what's happening to our characters and cutaways to the elements of the film, of that narrative. Ayukawa considers that this might be Kasuga's way of trying to make up with her. And she's not exactly fighting him off either. She actually seems to see the kiss coming, and she closes her eyes in anticipation. She seems like she's down. Oh, Carol... We see Umao and Ushko in this episode as a pretty normal, button-down, middle-class couple, but after Kasuga as Kazuya causes them to crash their bicycle by, like, he races past them so fast, I guess he's using the power, they fall over, they crash into something. They're each seen riding unicycles, still facing each other, still staring deeply into each other's eyes. They're riding each single wheel as if it was a unicycle down the hill. We see more scenes from American Variety cut in with Kasuga's Kazuya running to Abakabu. He couldn't teleport. I don't know. This would be an obvious time to teleport, in my opinion. There are no witnesses at Abakabu. 
Uh, he could just teleport right in, no problemo. Only Ayuka was there, and her eyes are already closed. Carol's car is shown crashing as Kazuya and Kasuga's heads finally collide to switch bodies back. And it it is a kind of a rare use of Ayukawa for a bit of comedy here. She's not usually played for comedy. She's kind of a serious character, and she's this ideal and... Uh, I don't think we were really supposed to see her as kind of silly and comedic, but but every now and again, they use her for a little bit of comedy. And and so when uh, Kasuga in Kazuya's body smashes into Kazuya in Kasuga's body's head and knocks him out of the way, just as he was about to kiss her, we cut to this close-up shot of Ayukawa. She's there. She's got her lips kind of pursed. She's ready for the kiss, eyes closed. She's even got like one hand out just as if she's going to uh, touch Kasuga's face with it and 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 like go in for the kiss. And then he's out of, he's knocked out of the way and she just kind of blinks and opens her hand a few times and and thinks, where did he go? Like he was about to plant one on me. And so she was obviously waiting for the kiss and, and uh, Kasuga was smacked out of the way at the last moment. And it played as this funny moment where she's still swooning a bit, I guess. So it, it really paints her as kind of a typical teenage girl, which is kind of nice. I mean, we see her as this badass Madoka the pick who, who beats up all these uh, teenage punk guys, these street punks. But then we also see her as this kind of normal teenage girl who it would seem very much wants to kiss this guy she's got a thing for. Oh, Carol. Now, we see some parallels between Kasuga and Kazuya's experiences. Initially, Kazuya seems to have gotten the better end of the deal. For the first little bit of their exchange, Kasuga inside Kazuya's body really seems to have a lot more difficulty. He's running into things. He's having a hard time keeping up with Ayukawa because he's so small and the street is so crowded. And uh, there's really, it's really very difficult for him. Initially, he bumps into the punks and they're giving him a hard time and shaking him down. And there's not much he can do because he's in a five year old's body. While, meanwhile, Kazuya in Kasuga's body is watching a film, eating popcorn. Uh, Shikaru's laying her head on his shoulder and, and things seem to be kind of going smoothly for him. So initially it seems like maybe Kazuya got the better end of the deal, but they both experience violence near simultaneously. So Kasuga and Kazuya's body when he's accosted by the street punks, but Kazuya in Kasuga's body, he gets punched in the back of the head by Yusaku in the movie theater for putting his hands on Shikaru. Keep in mind, Yusaku is very jealous of Kasuga, he doesn't want he doesn't want Kasuga putting his hands on anybody but him. Remember, Yusaku can't take it out on Shikaru, so he has to take it out on on Kasuga. And finally, we see the end of American Variety as Kasuga gets smacked by Ayukawa. It's a big one too. It's shown from three different angles, so we kind of get to see it like three times in a row. Psh, psh, psh. Even though it bore a resemblance to the smack from the Spark Colored Kiss episode. This one was played mostly for comedy. It's kind of this part in the series where Kasuga getting smacked is kind of supposed to be funny. The first maybe um, seven to ten episodes when Kasuga got smacked, it was kind of a big deal. He was getting rebuffed by this girl that he's got this tremendous crush on. And 
uh, it was an indication that he'd really done something wrong. He'd really misstepped and he'd really screwed up. At this point in the series, he gets smacked a little bit more just because he's in the wrong place at the wrong time. I mean, he accidentally walked in on Ayukawa and he got smacked because I guess he didn't run off quick enough. He didn't like shut the, the, the curtain quick enough or whatever. But keep in mind, she walked in on him changing, did the same exact shit to him in episode five on his first day of work there at Abacabu. She walked in on him and he didn't try to violently accost her. But I think he had it coming anyway because he messed up her notebook. And I don't think they were going to get right until Aiko got to smack him. She really had to take out some violent aggression on Kasuga before she could forgive him. And again, it's played for comedy because Kasuga gets knocked into these boxes because he forgot he wasn't Kazuya anymore, even though there's like a three-foot difference. Aiko claims to hate him. She sticks out her tongue. So it makes it seem kind of uh, cheeky that she smacked him into this box, but it was kind of a hard smack. I mean, you get to hear it three times. She really kind of laid him out, and then she sticks her tongue out at him like, okay, now we're cool again. Casca's final thought is wishing he were still a kid. He wouldn't have been smacked if he were still in Kazuya's body at that moment. So maybe he's come full circle. I mean, at the beginning of the episode, he wanted to switch bodies with Kazuya so that he could learn some information from Ayukawa on the sneaky sneaky. But by the end of the episode, he's wishing he were still a kid because he wouldn't have to face his Kasuga consequences for walking in on Ayukawa. He'd be able to sneak a peek and get away with it. Carol's youthful days came to an end. Costco might be wishing he's still a kid, but you know what I'm wishing? I'm wishing for you to please support Team Almy Studios on Patreon. That is patreon.com slash Team Almy. Team Almy produces this fine podcast as well as a couple of others. Shit Happens When You Party Naked is my other podcast. You will get full and unfettered access to our complete archive of Shit Happens When You Party Naked episodes, as well as new episodes that I'm publishing all the time. For that, it's a Patreon exclusive. Also, I send merch to all tiers. I'll send you something. If you sign up for Patreon, I'm sending you something. I don't care if you live in Pakistan. And I did just send a Patreon package to Pakistan because I appreciate my mans over there supporting me. And I appreciate you guys supporting this episode. Thank you for listening. If you haven't already, please hit subscribe. Leave us a review if you're listening on an Apple device, if you're using Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Please leave us a review. Those are super helpful for my ego. I love them. Also, check out Creatures of the Night podcast. That's one of my other podcasts as well, where I talk about weird, wacky, kooky stuff. No uh, political stuff. We don't get too heavy. I mean, JFK, sure, and the CIA and Ronald Reagan, but we don't get into like the QAnon stuff. It's all just good fun. And, and general craziness. So please check us out on Creatures of the Night. I'll drop a link to that show in the show notes so you can obtain that there. Check out Inner Circle PN. That is the home of Inner Circle Podcast Network. That's innercirclepn.com for other fine podcasts. If you need entertainment during the week, I'm going to do what I can to hook you up. And my homies at the Inner Circle Podcast Network are going to do what they can to hook you up. In the meantime... We still got new music from Earl Knight to check out. 
Everybody check out Earl Knight's YouTube. I'll link it in the show notes as well. Go subscribe to Earl Knight. He produced this fine piece of Orange Road OST remix that's going to take us out. And I will see you guys next week.